from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to get fact-checked. Access granted. What's up, good people of Florida? You got Jared, Amir, and Courtney back with another week of Fact Check. It was a big week in the legislature. Uh, we will get to all that in just a moment. Uh, some of the fun stuff we had going on. We had uh, Keys Day, Florida Keys Day. Had some good calm yep. fritters, uh, as well as my favorite beer that I can never find in town here. So it's always <laughs> exciting when uh, you know Isla Mirada Brewing Company comes to town. Uh, we also had Rural County Day. Yep. What did you guys think about that? Nothing that like that canned possum. That, that canned uh, Me possum. and Jared had to I was here try. for the strawberry shortcake. <clears throat> Shout out Washington <laughs> County for the canned possum. <laughs> Shout out Bradford County for the strawberry shortcake. Uh, very, very fresh tasting. Uh, I picked up a nice cigar uh, from Gadsden. Oh. Uh, we, we wish we could have seen our... You know, our good buddy Commissioner Kimblin Neesmith there, uh, but I'm sure he's, you know, got bigger and better things going on. Uh, so it was a fun week, um, and we actually had a, a fact staffer make his debut at the podium. Uh-oh. Uh, so <laughs> we will get to all that and more in just a minute, uh, but we will kick things off with uh, one that you guys are probably getting sick of at this point. It is the County Commissioner Term Limits Bill. And, uh, you know, if, if you're sick of it, don't look at us. Uh, look at the people that are responsible for, for pushing this one through. Uh, Courtney, why don't you to catch us up on what's going on there? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Rep. Salzman uh, presented her bill in ethics elections, um, House Bill 57. Uh, this version does have the 12 consecutive years from 8. Uh, Bob presented on this with a handful of other county commissioners just to express their concerns that this is really a local option. Um, you know, any county can become a charter county by referendum, and then they can vote if they want term limits. We shouldn't be doing this in Tallahassee. They are taking the voters entirely out of the process here, uh, and, you know, obviously that that's something that we are looking to avoid as much as possible. Uh, Courtney, you got to make the rounds of the Capitol bit a little bit this week. I did, Jerry. Uh, how, how'd your lobbying debut go? My lobbying debut was pretty good. Met with a handful of representatives and um, definitely some House staff, which is also they treat you okay? important. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Jared and I did get to do a few together, so we were definitely it was tag fun. teaming. Yeah, we were, we were building off each other, just riffing out there. It was great. Um, but, yeah, again, the, the, the point we are trying to drive home on this one is that there are local mechanisms in place for this. Um, as we mentioned, you know, the charter process uh, and sending it to referendum, uh, as well as just elections work. I mean, we have a handful of our commissioners that testified uh, that, you know, they earned their seat by unseating an incumbent. Uh, and so if someone is not doing their job appropriately, They'll you know, get the voters out. have proved time and time again that they will get voted out. I mean, look at our president, Bill <clears throat> Truex. Bill Truex Beating himself. incumbent. Did. Yep, exactly. Uh, with that being said, we will move on to the next uh, issue, which is the PACE program bill. Uh, the Senate had that bill up this week. That is Senate Bill 770 by Senator Martin. Just to recap, uh, this issue is something that is actually the subject of ongoing litigation on whether a PACE administrator, a private company PACE administrator, can circumvent the interlocal agreements um, and kind of go over the heads of the counties and operate at a state level without any real degree of oversight. Uh, kind of how we read the, the text of the statute uh, as it stands is that, you know, 
a PACE administrator has to receive a, a county or municipality's blessing, so to speak, uh, in order to operate within the boundaries of that local government. Uh, we're looking for some clarification on this language, and the Senate has that. It says that a PACE administrator has to receive that blessing by ordinance or resolution of the county or the municipality. Uh, and so we're pleased with where that one's at. The House bill is up next week. That's uh, House Bill 927 by Representative Trabolsi. That has a similar fix. The language is a little bit different, but the, the end result is all the same. And uh, Beyond that stuff, the, the bill also does expand the program a little bit to include uh, wastewater and flood prevention measures. Those will now become eligible uses of PACE financing funds. Um, so, you know, we'll be on that one again next week, and we'll keep you guys apprised there. Uh, with that being said, we will move on to Amir uh, for yep. his his uh, his first issue of the day. Amir, what is going on with that homestead exemption? Um, yeah, and, and this is a slew of bills that we've been constantly bringing up week through week. Um, this week, we got to see both House Bills 7017 and 7019 heard in uh, the State Affairs Committee. Bob was present to testify against uh, 7017, uh, mentioned again some of the same points he talked about in previous committees, talking about how the association can't support a tax shift. Um, again, this uh, exemption. And, and what's going on there exactly? What is, what is 7017? Yeah, no, for, so, uh, to fill everyone in that hasn't heard about 7017, uh, it's, again, just kind of making an annual adjustment to that homestead exemption to account for inflation. 7017 went on to be supported favorably. Um, do note, though, that this bill does have a fiscal impact, and it's estimated to be $22.8 million by fiscal year 25-26, growing to an approximately $111 million by fiscal year 28-29. Thanks, Amir. Uh, this was part of a, a series of homestead exemption reform bills that came out of the Ways and Means Committee a couple weeks back. Uh, and this looks like kind of the, the pick of the litter as far as what they're moving forward with from that series. Uh, one of the ones that they have kind of abandoned at this point, or so we're hearing, uh, would have also doubled that second homestead exemption uh, from the assessed value of $25,000 to $50,000. That obviously would have had a, a pretty big price tag for, for counties as far as our ad valorem revenues, uh, but they are moving forward with this CPI indexing one instead. Courtney, let's let's circle back to you. Uh, what is going on in the local preferences space? This is one that you know we, we have seen them chip away at for a couple years running now. Uh, what is the latest here? Yeah, so this bill is moving in both the House and the Senate, and in terms of which side do we like better, uh, the Senate bill currently has a little bit better language because it does map out that geographic preference portion. Um, so what this bill really does is any public work projects includes construction project funded in part or whole by state appropriation funding. Um, the bill revises this language to now add in that local or with the state funding. Local or Jeff which Scala has <laughs> Jeff has been hammered, hammered that this into our in. <laughs> uh, what this really does is even if it's local money funding the public work project, everything is falling to the requirements that are under a state public work project. This includes um, the wage rates, the benefits, the staffing levels, the recruiting and hiring. Um, this will also get rid of those single source apprenticeships um, that a lot of our counties do have. And like we said, the House bill took out the geographical preference. The Senate bill still has that language in it. So hopefully we can at least keep that there. 
Thank you, Courtney. Yeah, the compromise we've reached in past years is, you know, as as they defined it last year with as any degree of state funds, you know, pour into a public works project, we are bound by those state rules. It made it sense conceptually, at least, that, you know, if we're using state dollars, we'll play by their rules. Now they're expanding it to, you know, you still have to play by our rules, even if you're only Own using local dollars. dollars. Uh, and so this preemption is huge. Uh, as Courtney mentioned, the Senate is a little better in that it does still allow for us to practice geographic preferences, keep that money within our local economy. No home rule authority there. <laughs> Could not agree more. Uh, Amir, we are going to kick it back over to you. Uh, what is going on with this millage bill? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so this was HB 1195, sponsored by Representative Garrison. Um, and it was heard in the Ways and Means Committee this week. Uh, the bill requires a two-thirds vote of the governing body of a county, municipality, or independent special district in order to pass any millage rate increase except where a higher voter threshold is already required under current law. That's well, what's and, happening. And here's one of the trickier parts. Uh, it's actually an even higher threshold than you would think as far as it being a two-thirds vote of the, the Board of County Commissioners, mm -hmm. let's say. Uh, we have a handful of counties that have a five-person board a three to two vote is not going to get this one across yeah. the finish line. So in in reality, they, they need four out of the five votes of the county commission uh, to raise millage rates uh, in, in yeah, this no, way. Definitely uh, something. So it's, it's almost like an 80% threshold <laughs> for a lot of our counties. Again, why there is reason for concern there. We're just going to continue monitoring this bill and seeing how it moves through its committee. Uh, this bill does have a Senate companion bill as well, um, which also passed favorably, favorably this week um, in the Community Affairs Committee. Thanks, Amir. Yeah, just uh, they are just kneecapping, you know, our, our ability to raise revenue and exactly. provide these local services. Um, so uh, next up, we're going to talk cybersecurity incident liability. Uh, and I actually alluded to this one a little earlier. House Bill 473 by Representative Gia Lombardo is one that I went to the podium uh, to support on behalf of FAC. What it does is it says that a county cannot be held liable for a cybersecurity or ransomware incident, uh, assuming that the county has, quote-unquote, substantially complied with the statutory standards and the widely accepted best practices uh, in the cybersecurity space. Uh, the bill does not create a cause of action, um, and it, it does clarify that failure to comply with, with the state guidelines does not in itself constitute negligence on the part of the county. Uh, so this is affording us a little bit of legal protection. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of even ceded some of our home rule authority over the last few years as we've really leaned into the need for stronger standards and protections against these rogue actors uh, by our body of counties. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is one that FAC felt very comfortable supporting. Going to kick it back over to Courtney now uh, for another bill that we've seen a couple years running. Uh, you know, we, we've obviously been trying to fill in the gaps of the occupational licensing uh, space that, that started back in 2021. Uh, and, and, you know, we've been legislating on this issue for a couple years running now. Uh, Courtney, what does the latest bill relating to occupational licensing do exactly? Yeah, so um, Senate Bill 1142 by Senator Hooper. Um, this bill is trying to give the special contractors who are in good standing, who have been registered with their local jurisdiction during 2021, 2022, and 2023, um, to qualify for a registration under the Construction Industry Licensing Board, which will basically allow them to 
continue to stay working in their local jurisdiction without having to come to the state to take a bigger exam. What this bill does not do is help anybody qualified in subsection Q of statute 489.105, which specifically speaks to um, those who are contractors whose scope of work and responsibility is limited to a particular phase of construction. So right now we don't have an answer for people who are employed under this category. They currently, from what we have right now, will have to go take a larger state exam to continue working at their low school jurisdiction. And, and, and obviously the, the state exam is presumably, mm-hmm. let's say, higher standards, yes, it's, a higher it's, degree of expertise is required. Right. For this and they shouldn't have to now go back and take bigger exams for things that were already covered their whole careers. Well said, Courtney. Uh, we're going to kick it back over to Amir. Amir, uh, I hear the state is starting to weigh in on county emergency manager qualifications. What, what is that all about? Yeah, no. So um, HB 1567 by Representative Grant um, essentially kind of implements new qualifications for county emergency uh, directors. Um, and the bill pretty much mandates that these county emergency managers need to have at least a bachelor's degree plus six years of verified experience in emergency management along with three years of supervisory experience but if they have a master's degree that can substitute for two of their six years of needed um, emergency management management experience excuse me Um, we're monitoring this bill Uh, we did have our Putnam County delegation present for that committee meeting um, to weigh in from the fiscally constrained counties perspective Uh, Now, the hardest thing that they see would be a problem moving forward is being able to pay these people the wages they require. But with this being said, the bill did pass favorably 14 to 0 unanimous. And uh, its next committee stop is going to be the House State Affairs. So we'll keep our eyes on this and, you know, see where it goes. Appreciate that, Amir. Uh, I'm going to take the next one. Um, The state is looking to provide some support to our rural health systems. Uh, We've seen a a handful of rural hospitals close over the last few years. Obviously, they're serving a smaller population, and so, you know, they're they're dealing with lower service volume, lower reimbursement rates, that sort of thing. So the bill is creating a new, and and, sorry, let me back up real quick, that's Senate Bill 644 by Senator Simon, you know, the rural champion, uh, as our rural counties like to call him. Uh, The bill, Senate Bill 644, is creating a new hospital license for what's called a rural emergency hospital Uh, and the key here is that number one uh, these hospitals will be eligible for federal reimbursement and medicare facility payments so obviously hoping to to keep them open as long as possible and kind of replace that vacuum that was created by some of those previous closures number two uh, the bill requires health plans to cover rural emergency hospitals to the same extent that they would cover services at a general hospital. So just looking to kind of close that some of those gaps uh, in rural health systems and create more coverage parity there. Um, Representative Shove has the House Companion, that's House Bill 309, and that one has not yet been heard. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to keep an eye on that one. One thing I wanted to mention uh, is a, a big preemption got walked back in the Senate committee this week. Uh, The Senate Commerce and Tourism Committee passed a committee substitute for Senate Bill 1492 by Senator Trumbull, and this bill originally contained a preemption on prevailing wage practices within local procurement procedures. In other words, a a county could not seek to control uh, the the potential benefits or wages 
of their vendors and and the the employees within the vendors. Um, this this language was removed in the committee substitute language. The House version of this bill, uh, House Bill 433 by Representative Esposito, remains in very bad posture. Uh, it does still have that prevailing wage preemption, and it also contains an additional preemption on the terms and conditions of employment and labor. Do I have that right, Courtney? Yes. All right. Uh, so, you know, obviously the Senate version is, is looking a little prettier these days, uh, but the House version is in rough shape and, and we'll be forced to oppose that. Uh, I think that just about does us for this week as far as bills. Do we have any housekeeping issues? We do have like a housekeeping issue, Jared. What, what would that what be, Courtney? Um, I would like everyone to know that on Thursday... It is Florida State Day at the Capitol. Oh, who cares about that? Jared, I am so sorry. Uh, Gatorville has not decided to come yet. Wait, are we are we going to skip over the fact that we had, you know, our analysts testify against a bill this week? Yeah, you kind of didn't even uh, broadcast yourself there. We got well, to see Jared go to the podium for the first All right, time. Don't, don't pull any punches. <laughs> How did I do? You did great, Jared. I think you killed it. All right, I appreciate you guys. You know. Check up one for the analysts. I, lo- I love my co-host. What can you? What advice can you give us here for when we finally get to debut? Should I practice <laughs> on the treadmill? I I did <laughs> practice on the treadmill the night before, uh, just in case I had you know testified a twelve percent incline. Uh, <laughs> Three miles an hour. Yeah, you can never be too careful. <laughs> um, I, I was just I was I was in my gym all by myself, my apartment, uh, and you know eventually someone walked in. I was like. You be kidding me I can't. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to hear your testimony well if anything it might have been better practice you know having right. having an right. extra set of ears there you know a little extra pressure you know you can't uh, account for perform. all the actionality so you just gotta um, change for whatever but yeah you know you guys when the time is right you'll be great uh, it's, it's <laughs> exhilarating up there um, you know, I, I kind of blacked out if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, we I, have no clue I, I what he said. I could have said anything <laughs> up there for all I know. But, uh, you know, what I, committee I, was this in? This was in uh, House Commerce Committee. Uh, this was on like Tuesday, right? This was on Tuesday, yep. in the week, right. yeah. So, and folks, you can go back and watch that. Watch Jared. You can, uh, and you know, I, I got to go back and do some film study. Uh, you know, come back <laughs> better than ever next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. Appreciate the love, guys. Um, and with that being said, uh, we will see you guys next week. I think. Um, I hope we're all uh, still here. We're all still standing, fighting the good fight. It's week four, right? Budget week. Yeah. Week it is four. budget week. Yeah. Well, so budget. Those could drop on a dime, and you know we'll have to drop everything, and uh, we'll we'll obviously keep you guys posted and, and have a report out on that as soon as we possibly can. Uh, but with that being said, this is Jared, Courtney, and Amir. Come on. Bye, everybody. Thank Bye, everyone. Enjoy the weekend. <laughs>